welcome to our Christmas series the next few weeks. Excited about bringing to you some unusual words of Christmas, some things you normally don't think about. And um, Christmas does bring some surprises. I don't know if it's going to bring you any surprises. It is bringing family a surprise. Am I losing battery life on this? Okay. You're just telling me to end quickly? Is that what you're telling me? Okay. Now, no clapping. Who was that? <laughs> so Christmas does bring some surprises. It's bringing my family a, a big surprise. Never thought I'd be telling you this, but um, my wife and I are expecting a child, an orphan girl from Ukraine. What, did you think we were thinking something else then? That's how rumors get started, people, you know. We, uh, we are surprised. Um, we were not able to host a girl um, for some different reasons this year from Ukraine. We've done this eight times, and we connected with the agency that this works with. They had a family that was hosting and then was not able to for some personal reasons, and they said, we need a family who can take this 11-year-old girl and host her over the Christmas season. And so we are picking her up on the 16th of December. We'll have her through the middle of January, and we're excited to introduce her to you when we figure out what her name really is. And she only speaks Russian, so you can brush up on your Russian between now and then and have uh, some little bit of conversation. There's some apps on your phone you can connect with, but you know, the one thing that she will understand that you can communicate to her is just love. And uh, that's universal, isn't it? That's something she'll really connect with. So we're excited to be able to pull her in here with us and, um, and for your input and uh, ministering her life. We're looking forward to that. You know, uh, we've already mentioned these cards and I'm not sure if they're gonna pop up there. But do remember your Pi Square cards, your commitment cards. This is our strategy. This isn't the last time we're going to talk about this. We're going to bring this up routinely throughout the year, that God's strategy to reach your world is you. You are God's plan to reach your world. And we're not going to wait for a special church program to do it because he already has you there. And so do take these things seriously and really pray about who God would have you minister to. So pray for them, invest in their life, and then invite them, either invite them to church, invite them to your home, invite them out for coffee, invite them to Jesus, whatever it may be, that make that be a part of your life. And then, uh, as we mentioned, when you leave today, these cards are going to be there. Grab a bunch of them and uh, make sure you connect with people. Don't put them on the back of the toilet at McDonald's or something like that. That's not the connection we want. We want you to connect with people and let them know that you care and hand those out that way. So that'll be coming up soon. Well, grab your copy of the scriptures or your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod or whatever it may be and turn to Matthew in chapter one, Matthew chapter one. And we are gonna be smack in the very heart of the Christmas account this morning. And I don't know, when you think about Christmas, we oftentimes think of celebration, trees, lights, the little Christ baby, the magi, the gifts, and we are very saturated with this account. And the last thing, though, that would go through our mind when we think about the Christmas account is those embedded in it in biblical days. This, 
It was not all of what we think today. It was, it was chaotic. It was challenging. In fact, it was even scandalous to these people back then. I mean, just think about it, folks. At face value, for everyone around, there was behavior, there was an outcome that was very much against the law and against God's direct commands. There was a teenage gal who was expecting a child and they were not yet married. And you can imagine what that first Christmas season was like for Mary and for Joseph. Beyond just that, there was a census, there was long travels, there was inconvenience, there was a king wanting to kill the baby, and this had all the making of a high-tension drama rather than a nice, cute bedtime story that we may read to our children. There was shock, there was intense fear, and for Joseph, there was no greater fear than what we're going to read about right here this morning. And so hopefully you are there in whatever device or book you have in Matthew in chapter 1. And we're going to read a section of scripture starting in verse 18 that's going to chronicle some of Joseph's side of this. And this is a riveting passage to understand because he has something in there very important for us, God does, on how we respond when we go through challenges and struggles and trials. So here we go, Matthew chapter one. And how about you stand with me? It's your last chance to stretch your legs before we um, dive into this together. Matthew chapter one, starting at verse 18. And here's how this account works out. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Hey, be seated, would you? What an awesome passage. And I want to give us an understanding through Joseph's most personal and painful experience he reveals to us three responses that we should have when we go through life's challenges. Now, let me just tell you, if there's ever a message that would include all of us, it is today. Because we all go through challenges. 
We all go through struggles. In fact, for Christmas, some of us, Christmas may not be the holly jolly time of the year. Some of us, it may be painful. Some of us may go through some of the most awkward or intense family situations through these holiday times, times that you would really never want to experience, you never dreamed you'd experience. For some of us, Christmas isn't really that easy. For Joseph, Christmas was not really that easy starting out. And we're going to see three gorgeous responses that he had in dealing with the challenges and the chaos of Christmas. So here we are. Before we talk about his responses, can I just give you a little insight into what his challenges were? Do you have your study guide on the back of your worship folder? Go ahead and get to there. I'm going to give you some of these blanks to fill in. We're going to work through this study together. Some of his challenges were this. Number one, his personal world was falling apart. His personal world was falling apart. Let's just face it, his pledged wife was pregnant and it was not his child. Can you wrap your heart around that for a minute? His, his pledged wife was pregnant. It was not his child. And so when Joseph stepped into the Christmas account, the initial announcement to him was not good tidings of great joy, okay? It wasn't peace on earth, goodwill to men. This was a nightmare for him, starting out. For Joseph, his initial Christmas announcement was troubling. It was alarming. It was not peaceful. It was almost scandalous. In his mind, this was the end of his marital ambition with Mary. And, and truthfully, I don't know if this was an arranged marriage or if it was one where there was a dynamic relationship that ended in engagement. But whichever one, if it was arranged, you know, he would have to go back to his dad and say, Dad, you know that, that girl you chose for me? You're not going to believe this one. Or if it was this dynamic relationship, all of these hopes, all of their conversations, all of their discussion about their future family and their thoughts for going on down the road, all of it were just dashed in a moment and his personal world was just falling apart. We've been saturated with this story, haven't we? As I announce his pledged wife was pregnant, it wasn't his baby, I didn't see anyone go, oh, you know. I struggled with this. When I was back in college, I was in a, um, a drama group and we did this play called Two from Galilee. And I played Joseph. And it was all about this very moment. And I remember um, getting together and, and there was Mary and, and we were getting to this very point of the account where she was going to confess to me that she was pregnant. And um, she was staying there. There was a lot of awkward silence. And I'm like, Mary, what? Like, what is, what's troubling you? What's going on? And, and, and as she's staying there, she turns to me, and um, she was a much better actor than I was. And she just started crying, and she said, I'm pregnant. And, and now here's supposed to be my response back to her. And, you know, I'm like, oh. 
And my drama director's like, cut! What in the world, Conover? Okay, try that again, you know. I'm, I'm pregnant. Ah. You know? He's like, Brian, this isn't like your car got a flat tire. Like your world is crumbling. Get with it. Start to feel it, you know? And we've been so far down this story. We've heard it so many times. We just roll over this, don't we? It's like, okay, what's the next part of the story? And let's put the car in park, folks. This guy's life was unraveling. And maybe some of you know some extreme feeling like this. You've gone through heartbreak like this. And you know what he's feeling. And we are 2,000 years removed from the event. And by now, the, the celebration is there. The lights are there. The presents are there. We've heard this story dozens and dozens of times. And we feel more emotion watching the Hallmark Channel than we do hearing the Christmas story. Oh, the Hallmark Channel. That's another subject. Okay. We need a men's support group around here for the Hallmark Channel. But when you don't have any skin in the game, we don't feel it like Joseph did. And let me just tell you, his life, what he felt at that moment was intense. Here's number two. Not only was his personal world falling apart, so also was his, his reputation was on the line. You see what the text says about him? In verse 19, it says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, or some translations say he was a righteous man. Now, let me just open up this word for us like a, a flower blossom would and let me show you, the word for righteous used here has a very rich history. It's used of those whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will and command of God. Joseph was known for his uncompromising obedience to God's word. Like if whatever laws were there, Joseph did them. When people thought of Joseph, they thought this is a very spiritual man. This is a man who kept all of the Torah all of the law. This was a man that would not have worked on the Sabbath. This is a man that would not have eaten unclean meat. This is a man that would not have dealt with his neighbor unjustly. And so all of a sudden, his pledged wife is pregnant. And what's that going to be about his reputation? You know, for him to go on with her, guess what everyone's going to think? <laughs> Yeah, nice one. We thought you obeyed the law, and I guess maybe it was all a sham. So for Joseph, what do you do? How do you recover from this? Your, your pledged wife is, is pregnant. You have this reputation of being honorable and just and righteous. What in the world do you do now? And, and, and here's what he could have done. According to Deuteronomy 22, you know, he could have drug her right up to her father's doorstep and had her stoned, according to Old Testament law. Then everyone around would have known Joseph was righteous. She was not. 
Or he could have, as the text mentions, he could have exposed her. He could have gone into the public square and said, you know what, I want everyone here to know my pledged wife is pregnant. It was not me. You shame her publicly so that everyone will still feel good about you. Her reputation, however, would be dumped for the rest of her life. And his reputation was on the line. So how would you handle a problem like this? Just think about it. You ran into this, what would you do to your spouse and not go to prison? How would you act in a Christmas challenge? Joseph gives us three beauties. Oh, these are so good. Three responses to the challenges of life. And when I give these to you, friends, these are, these are rich. We can do these today. And I guarantee you, you're going to have the opportunity to do them this Christmas. Three responses of Joseph to the challenge of Christmas. Here's number one. Notice verse 19. Here he was, this righteous individual, and it mentions middle of the verse, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. And he had in mind to divorce her. Here's a really interesting perspective. He had in mind to divorce her, and here's the word, quietly. Can I mention some things here? Joseph showed us that one way to handle Christmas challenges and the challenges of life is to respond with grace. Respond with grace. He did not want to expose her. Instead, he meant to divorce her quietly. And you got to remember, at this point, the angel hadn't talked to him yet. He, he did not know all of what was going on behind the scene. And so here this idea of divorcing her quietly means in secret, covertly, by stealth, it is evidence that Joseph had a very godlike quality in his heart. Qualities, as we fully understand, are the hardest to do in this specific time. Even though he had just been shattered, his reflex was it was not to get revenge. It was not to get back at her, but rather he showed compassion. He pardoned her, and if you can believe it, he protected her. That was his whole intention through all of this. He was going to shield Mary through this. He was going to protect her reputation, even at the expense of his own. How did he handle the situation of grace? I want to give you two things. Number one, he these aren't in your notes. You can write these in. Everything he did, he handled biblically. Different than society. The Bible allowed for him to release her, to divorce her in the case of marital unfaithfulness. This was not just for any reason like we hear about oftentimes today. This was not incompatibility. But everything he did, he handled biblically with this. He didn't treat it frivolously. And he acted apart from spite or vindictiveness. 
He wasn't going to do anything spiteful in this process. Also much very different from today. Now let's just look at this. You've seen this. Imagine someone going through this, what their Facebook page is going to look like for the next couple weeks, huh? Imagine what their Facebook page is going to look like if they go through a situation like this. Can you just, can you just see it? Someone puts on there, Mary and I split up because she's carrying someone else's baby. Never thought I'd be cheated on like that. You've seen stuff like that pop up on Facebook. Or it may go like this. Just really simple. Mary cheated on me. You know, insert link for favorite country and Western song here. You know. Or for the people that feel they're spiritual but still want to get something out there, they'll say something like, only trust in God, never trust in people. They'll dash you and hurt you. It wasn't Joseph. I'd just be personal with us. I know we talk about us giving grace to others like Joseph did. Can I just hit pause and say we've all been given grace by God. Imagine if we got what we had coming to us. Wow. Imagine if he could just put on the big screen our offenses to him to expose us to everyone else. And he was so kind and gentle, sending Jesus Christ to earth to die for us. And Christmas is evidence of the grace of God to us. The people that deserve punishment by God rather were given the gift of Jesus who would pardon us from our punishment, clean us up in our reputation by his death on the cross. So God gave grace to us. Joseph in this situation showed an extreme amount of grace to Mary, he did not yet know that this baby was of the Holy Spirit and he wanted to handle it quietly. He wanted to protect her. Can I just ask us, there's a Christmas gift you can give today that costs you nothing and I think it'll be worth more to the people you give it to than anything else you could buy. Let me just say this. This Christmas, we could all stand to give a little bit of grace. To some, the best gift ever is if you truly forgive and not punish them for their wrong. To some, you know, a pair of isotoner gloves will never be more valuable than forgiveness, pardon, compassion on one who has hurt us. And in this situation, the grace that Joseph gave is a great example of the response that we want from God, certainly when we do it wrong, it's a response we would want from others during our failings, and it's a response that we should give others in their time of challenge. Respond with grace. Respond with grace. Here's number two. Here's number two. These move along a little bit quicker. Respond with obedience. Respond with obedience. Now here, thank God, 
The angel comes in, and in Joseph's dream, the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And he goes, he goes through the reasoning of it. What is in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will, she will bear the child, name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so when this whole situation comes and the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Guess what he does? This is just perfect, spot on. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, bam. Joseph woke up and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife. I love this. This is beautiful because here Joseph, when he has this dream, the very first thing he does, right away he obeyed. Immediately he obeyed. And it was complete obedience. He didn't require explanations beyond what he was given. He didn't need additional signs. He just did what God wanted him to do. He just got right up and did it. And then the other thing, he retained his purity with Mary until after Jesus was born. And you notice the text mentions that in verse 25, he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to his son. He was completely upright. And you know, in a day and a time where we justify and rationalize, well, you know what? She's pregnant already. You know, what's the big deal? People are going to think it anyway. And you know what Joseph was? Right through obedience to God all the way through. Immediate obedience, complete obedience. He responded with obedience. Here's number three I give to you. Number three, he responded with humility. And we respond with humility. I think all of our translations are the same on this. Look at verse 20. I want you to pick out one word here. The angel came to Joseph, and here's what he said, and here's the big word. Joseph, son of David, I want you to say it with me. Do not be what? Afraid. Do not be afraid. So I ask you the question. Think about it. Afraid of what? What's the fear? What's the problem? Here's what I think it is. What's everyone going to think? They end up, they may think that Jesus is really Joseph's son. You know, they can do the math. Joseph, the months aren't lining up right, buddy. You're a righteous man. They'll just think he's Joseph's son conceived during a time when they should have been pure. And guess what? Matthew 13, guess what everyone thought? It says, coming to his hometown, Jesus began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. And here's what the people said. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? They all thought this is Joseph's son. There's no way in this town that people were going to believe an angel came to a poor couple in this obscure village 
Why would he be afraid? He may lose friendships. He may lose business as a carpenter. He may not be invited to homes. Every thought and hope he had for his ministry in the synagogue, that may go down the tubes. And if that's not enough, consider this. After Joseph and Mary were looking for Jesus in the temple when Jesus was 12, we don't hear another thing about Joseph. Nothing. Joseph is off the scene. And from what it looks like, most likely Joseph died in Jesus' teen years. Because you remember when Jesus was dying on the cross? And as he's there, um, remember he, he looks down at his mother, Mary, and says, Mary, behold your sons and sons, behold your mother. And, and you're the one that now needs to take care of her. And Joseph is gone. And probably just like some history tells us, he most likely died in Jesus' teen years. So here Joseph just stepped in. He obeyed. He obeyed immediately. He obeyed completely. And then he died. And I know some of you are thinking, Pastor, is this your pick-me-up Christmas message? Because if it is, it stinks, you know? You respond with grace, you obey, you become humble, and you die. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Isn't that just great? You know, every year, um, millions of Christmas trees are cut down. They're pulled into houses. And we get out our boxes and our totes and we put all the ornaments on, the lights on, the tinsel on, the garland on, and then you put the star on the top. Or in our house, it's actually the Tasmanian devil, but that's a long story I'm not going to tell you about. And you look at it and you say, wow, look at, look at how beautiful that is. And then when Christmas is done, you take off all the lights and all the tinsel and the garland and all the bulbs and everything, and you put them back in your boxes and totes. And what about the tree? And you take the tree, and you drag it out to the curb, or you walk it into the woods, and that's it. Can I tell you, for Joseph, he realized he was a tree in the story of Christmas. He was not the star. God called him to step into this account and to hold up the things of the greatest value. And then he moved off the scene. And that showed his humility. That's the number three. Respond with humility. Joseph knew he wasn't the star. And his goal was 
to hold up that thing of the greatest value for people to notice its beauty and that it wasn't about the tree. And around here, the phrase that we say is, it's not about us. It's just not about us. It's about Jesus. And for Joseph, he stepped in the story and, and that was exactly who he was in his humility even though he had dashed expectations, even though he had a damaged reputation, even though it may have changed his friendship or he lost business, this plan was not his. But he responded with humility because this wasn't his son. This was the son of God. And he knew that God is the star of the Christmas story, not him. I think that's one of the best lessons to remember is we're the tree, we're not the star. So how do you know if we respond with grace, obedience, and humility? Here's our practical stuff, and then we're gonna finish up here this morning. Here's, here's three things I wanna give you. How do we know if we, if we respond with grace, obedience, and humility in our challenge? Here's three things right there. I want you to write these down. I want you to think about them for today. We know we respond with grace, obedience, and humility. Number one, we treat people better than they deserve. We treat people better than they deserve. That's called grace. It's the gift of kindness. Even when they deserve a little not-so-kindness, you know. And the grace Joseph showed Mary in the beginning is small compared to the grace God has shown us. You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thankfully, Christ has not given us what we deserve. And we show Christ's likeness to others. We show what Jesus is like to others when we treat them better than what they deserve. Think about that. That's grace. That's number one. Here's number two. When we do menial tasks, even if no one ever knows, that's called obedience. We do things, even if no one knows, we just do what God wants us to do, even if no one ever sees it. And in Joseph's situation, people didn't know the dream. Through his whole rest of his life, people thought that was his kid. They didn't know there was anything special but he still followed through and responded in obedience to God. And for some of us, you do things people will never, ever see. Some may say, I never get recognized. I, I know, I know. Some may say, you know, I serve and I serve and I'm never made elder or deacon. I, I know, I know. Some may say, I've been in the church nursery for 20 years and my Anti-anxiety meds can't keep up anymore. You know, I, I understand. Let me say, I've written notes. I've visited shut-ins. No one ever knows what I do. I know. On the other side of things, I know someone who does know what you do. The same one who knew what Joseph did. And I have this understanding that even if no one else knows, one day when you step into glory and you come face to face with the star of the story, 
he's going to say, good job, well done, even if no one else knew. That's called obedience. Here's number three. So we treat people better than they deserve. We do menial tasks, even if no one knows. And number three, we are the tree, not the star. We're the tree and not the star. That's called humility. When we realize we exist to elevate the things of greatest value And that this story concludes with God as the thing of most prominence at the top. Not us. When this life is not about our agenda, our reputation, our expectations, our will, our recognition, and we do everything we do to elevate him, when we say words like John the Baptist, like he must increase and I must decrease. People need to see Jesus in me. And I can't get wrapped up in everything the way I want it. That's when we respond with humility. Like I said, it's what we say around here. It's not about us, amen? It's just not about us. Can I have a moment of prayer with you? Would you just with me, just close your eyes. And I do that, I just don't want you to be distracted by anything else. But would you work through some prayer time with me, a response time to lift God up to whatever situation you're going through that you're gonna covenant to respond with grace, obedience, and humility. So in a prayer time, just you and God in your heart, silently, first of all, would you thank God for his grace to you right now, right in your heart. Thank God for his grace to you, for Jesus' death on the cross, that he did not deal with you the way that we deserve. Would you thank him for that? That's number one. Number two, would you commit to treating people in your life with grace? Give them what they don't deserve. Would you commit to that in your heart right now to God? Would you commit to obey no matter no matter what others think, or even if they know. And that thing you're doing right now that you've been discouraged about and you wonder if you should keep it up, would you just talk to God and straighten that out and keep serving Him? Would you commit to that right now in your heart? And then here's the last one. Would you just commit to God to be the tree and not the star? To elevate him, not worry about ourselves. Would you tell God that right now? 
So, Father, we finish our time. We thank you for the example of Joseph and how he modeled just a few things that we look at you and at your, your renown for, your grace to us, your obedience even to the point of death and your humility to take on flesh. God, help us to look a little more like Jesus. Help us, God, to impact people in our world the way that you impacted people in our world. And may people see you and marvel. May we elevate you. May people see the star of it all. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And all of East Bay Calvary said, amen. Would you stand with me for a second? No closing song. I just want to close with... Uh, a reminder, as you leave, there'll be folks at the back with some invite cards and they want to give three, four, five to each one of us to hand out to people in our lives because we are, we are God's strategy to reach our world. We are, it's us. And I encourage you to do that. My early Christmas present to you, we end one minute early. Don't say I never gave you anything, okay? Hey, don't we have a great family here? God's given us some good stuff. And have a great week. We'll look for you next Sunday. Blessings.